Hi everyone, I'm Summer. I'm Carrie. And this is Popsia Podcast. I'm nervous. How <laughs> to be nervous to be fun. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh my god! What the hell just happened? <laughs> what the hell? What is happening? <laughs> um, make sure you come back. We're gonna do this bi-weekly. So make sure you come back to talk to, to us more about you know, sex, drugs, and self-improvement. Hi, welcome back. Uh, this month is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and so we are here with, it's on this side, we are here with Frances Danger, who, as she said, is taking a break for being stompy on Twitter to talk with us about this. Uh, so would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. My name is Frances Danger. I am currently being stompy on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm actually um, a pretty big Native rights activist. Um, I write for the Tribal Affairs uh, writer for the Oklahoma City Gazette. That's a pretty new position. And um, I'm... Um, I, I own or I, I manage and curate a really cool art gallery in Oklahoma City. So I got kind of, you know, spoons in every pot. So do you want to name drop the gallery or no? Oh yes, yes. Its name is Carpe Artem. It's at 30th and Western, Northwest, next to House of Clay. Oh, I lived right there. How fancy. I should have <laughs> <laughs> We're like in between the plaza and the paseo, which is perfect because our aesthetic is like if those two got together and had a baby. Oh, I love that. I'm going to come visit you this week. Please. I'll be here. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you, you two need to be in the same room. You will get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Francis, Carrie had approached me about doing a... Um, episode uh, about MMIW and I I basically I didn't want to be the only indigenous person on here complaining because I'm just so tired I'm just so tired damn it (laughs) we have to talk we well I do so I talk about this so much and it's so heavy so it was like I know I'm going to bring in someone else who is also equally as um a uh, troublemaker as I am so I, I sent Francis a message and asked her to come help me out. So <laughs> it's not I, trouble, it's chaos. And I like creating it every once in a while when it needs to happen. It needs to happen. Exactly. That's the thing. We can't let people continue to pretend this isn't happening. And now time with it being trafficking awareness month. Correct. So, so I thought it would be very good topic of discussion for us to do since I know a little bit about MMIW and I do my best to explain to people that I talk to like in public but I want to have like I wanted to have like an episode I could direct them to to be like hey listen this person is going to do an explanation and we're going to have a good discussion about it that way like I know exactly like what all it encompasses and like the statistics and the like movement about it and I, I just wanted to have that for us. That's great. I mean I I know that um personally I am also exhausted. Um mm-hmm. we do a lot of emotional labor, a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to issues that um affect 
natives, and especially native women, um, because we are told to be quiet and we're erased and we're told we got that paternalistic, oh, we know what's best for you thing that's going on, like spurred on by American exceptionalism. And so I can, I, I, 100% understand where Summer's at with that. I, there are some times when I have to take a break from being stompy anywhere. And because mm -hmm. it, it's just too much, you know? And uh, so I'm really happy to be here today to really discuss this. I, I think this is, it's an epidemic and it needs to be, we need to be heard. I agree 100%. Um, will you guys like just say like what MMIW like is and like how it started kind of like the organization behind it i guess well it started in 1492 <laughs> <laughs> was both a great showed year. up yeah. and <laughs> go ahead Francis. this is, this well, is those I mean, coping mechanisms oh. that we were talking about we make jokes <laughs> about really horrific things because uh, there's just so much of it. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to walk around all day long just being sad. I mean, people mm -hmm. see us as that crying native by the river because someone littered, you know? Imagine talking about something like MMIW and, you know, they expect us to break down and, and it's and it's hard. Mm -hmm. So um, it really did begin in 1492. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can reach all the way back to, you know, we've got Matoica, who, you know, made Pretty to Rapper called her Pocahontas and put her in a Disney movie. She was actually um, kidnapped. She was and she was taken um, across the, to England, where they stole her name. They stole her, her complete identity and renamed her Rebecca and carted her around like a sideshow freak. Then when she died, they tossed her in an unmarked grave and we still don't know where she is. Right. And so you know what? This day, this day of MMIWs, we're still tossing them aside. Okay, I'm getting audio feedback. Is that just me or are you guys hearing it? I hear it, but I don't okay. know. Okay. Why I can hear again. <laughs> Oh, and it's gone. Okay, weird. Okay. That's so strange. I was listening and I was going and then I just, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> what do I do? Okay, so, <laughs> all right, we're back after the, and, and, and we're now we're scrambled, but that's okay. Um, as long as you can hear now. Okay, I think we can all hear. So I will cut that out. That's what editing's for. Okay. <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, I don't know if I interrupted your thought or not. I was uh, no, I think I, I was at the end. I said, you know, we're still being thrown thrown aside, tossed aside today. You know, mm -hmm. we're not being investigated. Right, and for those who don't know, the acronym MMIW stands for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Uh, of course, this is a problem that happens with our men as well, but the numbers are higher for our women um, just due to the um, cross the intersection of colonial violence with gendered violence, essentially. Um, and as Francis said, we, when we go missing or are murdered or, or what have you, the, uh, investigation rates are abysmal. They're usually, um, I know I've helped, I've worked with, um, several families of missing, 
people who almost always there it's the family and the community who is having to organize search efforts um i i you know i know law and order has a lot a big viewer base but it does not work that way in real life there aren't these massive searches and investigations that are happening like you see i mean we did we have recently seen in um the media about the effect um what was her name i'm sorry the the blonde girl yes the 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 Right, and that women of color are not um, treated the same way when we go missing. Um, and I think it's really important. I mean, we've been screaming that for decades, and I'm glad somebody's finally listening. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got a long way to go. A very long way to go. Um, I just, we there are inroads being made, you know, Operation Lady Justice, uh, Biden just signed a new executive order, but um, I, I was doing a little bit of research on this today, and it struck me that the the way that the, the advancements that are being made are um, being made from a colonized perspective. Like, yes. um, there's this thing called NamUs, where you can go in and, and look at, like, the data and input people who were missing and stuff like that, and they have a special part where you can put in tribal affiliation and um, if they lived on a reservation or not, but that's only available to tribal nations. And 22% of our people, natives, live on reservations. That leaves the whole rest of us out here not getting counted. So, I mean, this epidemic may even be worse than what what we know because we're being undercounted. Right. And you also have to take into account how many um, aren't even being really recorded as missing people. Um, you know, time after time, I hear families going, talking about going to law enforcement to try to file a missing persons report and being turned away. Um, and often those are cases are dismissed as, oh Lord, the phrase, I hate the phrase. Oh, I've come to despise the phrase, high-risk lifestyle because um, we hear that one from law enforcement as an excuse to not do their job over and over again um, and in one case in and um, I was talking to Aubrey Dameron's family once and and you know Pam was telling me about um, them telling her using the example of well Aubrey had like so many male Facebook friends and that was a sign of a high-risk lifestyle. So I'm like, well, okay, you're, you're so close here acknowledging that dating men is high risk, but why aren't you? <laughs> you're so oh close, goodness. yet so far away. <laughs> um, and it's, I, it's just infuriating to me, honestly. Um, well, I can tell you from, uh, I actually was thinking about Aubrey today because mm -hmm. they were going to do that bill with the Aubrey Alerts um where yes. it wasn't specifically for indigenous people but it was for people between the ages of 18 and 50 whatever that were not mm -hmm. covered by amber alerts and silver alerts and mm -hmm. so it was introduced and then nothing and then they renamed it <clears throat> and it made it out of committee and the reason they had to rename it is because there were politicians that straight up said they would not support it because aubrey was transgender correct so our our lives, our native native lives, 
we're, we're off the table if you have a prejudice is what is what this is saying to us so we're we're not important enough for you to set aside your own personal prejudices right. you'd rather us continue to be murdered yes and that's not a an isolated event by any means we're hearing it all across the continent the, basically the majority the the more of those um marginalized communities that you fit into the more likely you are that law enforcement is going to brush it off and not do a damn thing absolutely and you know and we're we're running up against not just law enforcement but again the lawmakers vawa i mean it's held up right now because they're worried about in part the lgbtqia qs you know coverage Mm -hmm. under vawa well, VAWA gives us a little bit more leeway to actually protect our people. You know, it's only 11 nations at this point that can do that because we're not allowed to prosecute non-natives um, who come to our our lands and rape or kill our women. We're not allowed mm-hmm. to touch them. Now we can hold them now. And this is just a new change from, I think Supreme Court did it a few months ago where if we suspect them to be breaking the law, we can hold them for a for like a like the, the police, the right. real police to come and get them. You right. Know? Basically, we can detain them and try to talk the uh, the department that has jurisdiction into coming and doing something. But if they refuse to, there's nothing we can do. We have yeah. to let them go. And we can't prosecute. So a lot of a lot of these man right. camps. A lot of people, you know, on the dark web or whatever, know this, and they just come and do whatever they want. And the FBI is ineffective in investigating, and the I think it's the U.S. attorneys are not wanting to proceed with prosecutions. And we're just right. We don't we we face this thing where our agency is stolen from us you know in so many ways like Mm -hmm. you already feel like stripped down to the bone if you've been sexually assaulted and then to have someone tell you you're not worth an investigation you're not worth pursuing justice come on Mm -hmm. you know that's that and that is you know, that is something that does happen with other, other, you know, ethnicities, races, and things like that, but not to the extent that it does with us. And that should be making everybody very angry. And it's not. And the uh, anomaly in those statistics is Native women, we are the only demographic, ethnic demographic who are more likely to be raped by strangers. Yes, and Uh-oh. usually rapes or sexual assaults occur along racial lines. So whatever it is, you know, race you are, you are more likely to have that happen. No, it doesn't cross racial lines unless you're native. If you're a native woman, you're more likely to be um, assaulted by a, a white male. Right. It's a mm. lot. It is. I mean, it's it's a harsh reality, and and it's um, and we wake up every day to that, you know. Mm-hmm. As I was talking about before, with the, you know, being I, I'm an urban native, you know, 
is my stuff going to be counted? Because I, you know, I don't look what people would stereotypically call native, you know? Am I going to be in those statistics? And is my voice going to be heard in terms of that? And I think that in a lot of ways we are so undercounted, like mm -hmm. undercounted and discounted in society that it has allowed this to happen. I mean, it, this is not, you know, something that's going, you know, below the radar. This is happening every single day. There are places in this country where women are 10 times more, Native women are 10 times more likely to be murdered. Mm -hmm. Straight up. And that right. is, that. And this is not new. This, this is so that's the thing that infuriates me when I talk to lawmakers about this is they pretend like this is something new and oh yes we need to look into doing this you guys have fucking known about this like since 1492 like this is not new Absolutely. you just keep pretending that you're going to do something and, you and then you won't even do it because it's got a trans uh, you know the bill's got a trans woman's name on it it's it's you know I it's, it's frustrating because we are at this point right now we're in an like an amazing point in history right now where all of a sudden our voices are being heard more than they've been in the past you know we're seeing changes in you know representation and we we've got the Department of the Interior and you know the the land the uh, public the parks this is exciting you know but um. It still seems like this is not taken seriously, and I and I am at a loss as to see as to understand why, because um, not at a loss. Yeah, not at a loss. Let me let me correct myself there. I know exactly why it's happening. Mm -hmm. I just don't like the reason. Right. I'm tired. I am tired of having a target on my back for being native for being a woman, for being, speaking up and being loud and for demanding change. You know, I, I was pulled aside by someone who, uh, one of my elders, who um, used to do a lot of stuff in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s with AIM. And they sat me down and they said, you need to always tell someone where you're going to be from now on. And I, and I just, it didn't register with me. I said, you're, you're getting a little bit well-known Mm -hmm. It makes you a target and you, you will yeah. always need to leave breadcrumbs. That had never occurred to me. Never. And the fact that I have to do that now, because she's my elder, I'm doing it, you know. Um, we do it. It's scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I shouldn't have to fear for my life for asking to be treated with dignity and respect, you mm -hmm. know, because that's all I'm doing. Hi, right. I want to be treated like a human being. I shouldn't have to worry about being, you know, assaulted or whatever happens to me, you know. And and there is a lot of violence visited upon Native women, you know, uh, either, you know, sexually or just, you know, regular violence or even like people are just mean to us, just mean, dismissive and horrible. And it, it, we really need a sea change, not in the way that we are represented, but in the way that um, the people in power view us. They need to understand that we have value. Not We're not just some, you know, side project that they need to make sure is, you know, 
um, funded for the year or underfunded for the year. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, they look at, they look at IHS. Give them a little bit, but not too much. (laughs) They're like IHS and the Atlanta Braves. And that is what they know of Native. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, and see, here's the thing. And and this is, um, I have said this at least the last dozen or so media interviews I have done. Because I've been, and I've been doing this on purpose because I've been watching and not a single one of them has put this quote in any of their coverage the underlying problem is we are in an ongoing military occupation. And this problem started with that colonization process and it's not gonna end as long as the occupation continues. And I understand why journalists cut that out. They don't wanna be all controversial because I'm calling the United States an illegitimate government, but I am, and it is the problem. I wouldn't because this long journalist. What? I wouldn't cut that out, and I'm a journalist. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll talk soon. Yes, we need to. <laughs> we need to because that until we can under uh, until we can be honest about the underlying problems, the foundation of the issue, we cannot fix it. Yes, I still go talk to lawmakers. Yes, I still will. You know. I don't want to say lose my shit because I'm totally in control and deliberate when I'm doing it with law enforcement. You know, I still do those things because harm reduction matters. But the bottom line is this problem is still going to continue as long as this colonial occupation continues. Because we are still an imprisoned population on our own land. Yes, that is why sovereignty is so important. You know, we're waiting for VAWA to be, or I'm sorry, the uh, Violence Against Women Act to be reauthorized so that we can take care of our people. Whereas if we had our sovereignty the way, you know, it needed to be, um, we'd be able to, to to prosecute these things and do these investigations and not have to hand them off and not have to like hope that someone does their job, you know? And um, I just think that we know best how to take care of each other. Because clearly this government and this society doesn't. Everything that they have done is predicated on our extermination. Correct. That's what they want the land. They want us gone. That's why there's that's why there was genocide. That's why there were smallpox. I need people to understand genocide is not a past problem. Genocide is ongoing. And if anybody wants to argue with me about that, feel free, because I'm going to send you the link to the UN's definition of genocide because the checklist is there. I've tweeted the screenshot, (laughs) annotated, annotated. So go look it up if you want to, but the actions of the United States towards native people is still an ongoing genocide. Absolutely, absolutely. And unless and until the people in power are the people who um, have upheld this these societal constructs come to have a you know come to the realization that that even by like existing in this country they are participating in that we're not going to be able to move forward. So the sea change has got to come from them because we know what's going on. They need to like let us do what we need to do to to ensure our survival because they have shown they can't 
ensure our survival and they don't want to. Oh, right. That's, that's it right there. And they won't. There, there's no motivating factor other than what labor they can exploit from us. Because I mean, the bottom line of it is it's a capitalist con- structure anyway. So all people are expendable under that, st- that structure. And so then you have the hierarchy of who's more expendable and exploitable and who's not. And I just don't, I just really don't think I should have to keep explaining to people why that's fucked up. Like, really? (laughs) But yet I have to, apparently. Um, Yeah. I'm tired. Like I said before, I'm tired. I mean, I'll do it. We'll have the conversation. And I actually, even though I say I get stompy, which I do, I do have a lot of handholding because Mm -hmm. I have noticed that I can get people to where they need to go if I do a little bit of like the, okay, here's point A, let's go to point B. Okay, Gotta lead so them along. Well, you know, <laughs> if I'm reading rainbow it to them, um, I can get them there, but I shouldn't have to. These right. are things, if you have like an analytical brain or a brain at all, you should be able to look at them and say, oh yes, this is a cause of this. And say, yes, that is bad. I know I don't want to be a part of that. Right. You know, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> but I think that's also part of that. I mean, that's why it's so harmful for us to have this American exceptionalism propaganda indoctrinated into children from such a young age because it creates that roadblock where they can't get through this idea because if, oh, if I admit this is the problem, is a problem, then my entire worldview and perception of this life as I know it falls apart. Um, Same thing with trying to get, you know, with people deconstructing their religious upbringing. It creates such cognitive dissonance. They would rather shut down and pretend it's not there. And which is why, I don't know if you've seen, we have a um, recurring uh, thing that we're doing on the podcast of honest history, <laughs> where we're uh, dispelling some of those uh, myths that have been indoctrinated into us Sorry. since we were children. <laughs> well, we've only got, I think, two or three episodes in right now. But yes, eventually we would like to get them all out there. You sit on the throne of lies, America. So we need to, you know, I don't like to say decolonize anymore because I think that centers colonialism and colonialism mm-hmm. is too often the default. I just say indigenize. Mm-hmm. So I think what needs to happen is we need to indigenize all the spaces, you know, mm-hmm. or we need to take back our, our governments. We need to take back our um, agency, you know, as, as, mm-hmm. as, as people, as, as peoples, you know, and mm-hmm. peoples because we're not all the same. We're not all one thing. Right. And, and it just, oh, I have been given like carte blanche to be able to explain this in a very long article. And then, Good. Oh yeah, my 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 editor's like, oh, I'm just a white dude. You do whatever. I'll clean up the language. I'm like, okay. It's awesome. It's really awesome. That's good. Good. Yeah. Oh. So, anyway, missing and murdered Indigenous women. <laughs> yes, I was about to bring us back to that. Like we got off topic. Let's move back. You see, I have little notes. I made little notes. Okay. I like your green sticky there. I think maybe I talked to, talked about a lot of it already. Um, 
Uh, I dropped some of those. I, I breathed some down, but um, let me see here. Um, I've got little pie charts. Ooh, I love charts. So this is from, um, it's, it's pronounced NamUs. And it's okay. N-A-M-U-S. And it's where, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier. And so these are some statistics um, as of August 1st, 2021. So um, in terms of American Indian and Alaska Natives missing persons cases, there are 734 missing from 36 states. Hmm. Um, the average age is 18.6 years. Um, only 13% are missing from tribal land. Yeah. So the rest are urban, which are not really being counted because NamUs doesn't give access to that to right. non-natives. So 80% um, don't reside on tribal land. Um, the investigating agencies, 93% non-native, non-tribal. Right. So, and then of that, 72% um, of are missing women or missing people. Tribal enrollment or affiliation is not known in 72% of cases. So they know we're Indian. That's about it. And that's important though. Just one of those, you know, yeah. one of them natives over there, you know. They, they're brown, you know, they're brown. They look like Chief Wahoo. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and then. Or, uh, you know, if you look like me, if you look like me, you're very likely to get listed as Hispanic or something. I'm like, unless they look at my arms. Yeah, I got the whole white passing thing. You know, mm -hmm. my arms though are brown. So I don't know what they do with me. Well, it doesn't matter. They're not looking for me in, or investigating. Right, they're not going to look for you anyway. So it's just going <laughs> to go in the file anyway. <laughs> and then in unidentified person's cases, we've got 162 unidentified in 20 states. Um, and 18.9% demographic on that one. Um, I lost the uh, little post-it that I had, but it was um, something like, um, oh, here it is. 4,400 bodies have re are recovered every year. 1,000 1, continue on as cold cases. So let's take that number and go back to our unresolved cases as of August 21st, 2021. That's 734 native cases but 4,400 mm. bodies a year. God. And it just took an act from the president to really start, well, an act from the last dude, but he didn't really follow up. I, as far as I know, there is no federal contact still in Eastern Oklahoma uh, for that whole missing and murdered indigenous women task force thing that they were gonna take very seriously and, and take <laughs> care of. Of course they were. Yeah. Hey, he meant it. He said it right under that portrait of Andrew Jackson that he had in the Oval. So, um, you know, I said this years ago, but living as a Native, it's just a series of tiny indignities every day. I know people talk about microaggressions. No, it's just, it's just no respect. No, even just basic human respect, you know? When someone goes missing, you look for them. When someone is dead, you take care of them. You allow them to come home. And as we're seeing right now with the boarding school situation, 
which Oklahoma better be ready because that's going to get really bad really quick. Because <sighs> we have three of them here. Yeah. And I know for certain there are bodies, at least one of them, just for stories. Oh, yeah. And things are going to be very, very, very hard to hear. Mm-hmm. But we are going to make you listen. Right. Because now is the time for you to hear it, for you to accept it. And for you to admit your ancestors' culpability and your own culpability for continuing to uphold this society that would throw us in unmarked graves, our children, our children. And, 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 and just one last thing I'll say about that. There is no other school system where you call the people that graduated it survivors. Right. There's no other schools with cemeteries. Yeah, schools should not have cemeteries. Or incinerators in some cases, just saying, right. you know, and, and it's, it, it's just, it's all, it's all, it's all connected. It's mm-hmm. all the same. It all comes down to our humanity, our tribal identities, our everything that could be taken from us has, e- has either been taken or it's being eroded right now. And that is why we're speaking up so loudly now, because we finally have, you know, people are starting to pay attention, you know, but it shouldn't have to be us unearthing our young relatives, either MMIW, GS, or GT2S, or from the re-education camps. We shouldn't have to be carrying handfuls of bodies, armfuls of bodies for people to say, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And the fact that people are not saying it's wrong and not doing something about it says way more about this society than it does about us. We're not expendable. We're not. And you're not going to expend us anymore. Not if my loud mouth has anything to do about it. Right. Yeah, I... What can... I'm not native like I like I have like a CDIB but I'm not native or anything I have well it's a weird story I don't want to talk. Um, her, her grandmother was uh, was uh, Eastern Band Cherokee so she does not qualify for enrollment due to blood quantum um well, blood I was, quantum I, is genocide what is. Like, non-native people do to be more so right now to be more what? Supportive. And like, okay. I don't want to say like ally because you can't like say you're an ally, but what can we do to be more supportive? Well, I'm tired of your, of, of land acknowledgements. Mm-hmm. You want to, you want to really honor me? Give it back. Yes. I'm tired of being, I'm tired of allies, woke allies. You know what I want? I want a co-conspirator. I want an accomplice. This nation was built on the backs of black enslaved black people and the blood of the indigenous. Mm -hmm. It only exists because of what happened to us. Now is the time that we are addressing those issues and we are tearing it down. And we have every right to tear down because we're the ones that built it. I agree. And so what we need 
is for everyone who has that privilege of not having had that happen to their ancestors and continue on to today, to hurting like us now, to stand up and help us tear it down. That's it. It's that easy. Be an accomplice. Stop being comfortable. Stop being part of the reason that this is happening. Mm -hmm. Admit what's going on. Accept your culpability. It's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. You didn't know. Now you know. Now you do. And the fact that now you know, but if you're going to continue down the way things have always been, then yes, yes, you are a problem. And one thing we haven't mentioned that I do want to bring up too, you mentioned the boarding schools for taking our children away. We have not mentioned ICWA, the Indian Child Welfare Act. The issues that that was in the past is, is they're not in the past. The child welfare system still continues to steal Native children. I looked at the statistic a while ago, but I can't remember. I think it's like four times more likely like if, that natives are four times more likely to have their children move from them and placed in the child welfare system, despite the fact that abuse and neglect occurs at approximately the same rate across ethnic de demographics. Yes. So it is not that abuse or neglect is happening more often in our communities. It is structural bias. They are taking our children. And once they are taken, we are extremely unlikely to get them back no matter how many hoops we jump through. Exactly. ICWA was passed into law at a time when, when it was happening. At that time, there were some communities that lost 100% of their children. Every child in those communities was taken because their parents were native, usually not for any other reason. We've seen recent court cases just a few years ago where they were removing children for ridiculous reasons up in the Dakotas and were addressed by the court, told they couldn't do that anymore. But, you know, this is an ongoing problem. You know, I served on the um, post adjudication board for a while uh, in Oklahoma County. Um, and we were constantly having to call the court out on not comply, on failing to comply with ICWA, placing children um it, away from their people out of convenience um definite bias in language from people about um what makes people better parents better households basically <clears throat> you know white households being the idea white white households being held up as the ideal um i i drafted a um finding to a court <laughs> I wasn't sure how the board was going to react to it at one point um, because these were two children who had names. They were named in their language and they were being called English names, the English translation of their names by their foster parents, by the court, and by the child welfare workers. And I was appalled as absolutely unacceptable and is an overt act of racism. And I am told that that did get better after I wrote a two-paragraph uh, legal argument for why that was not acceptable on any level. Getting sloppy works. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it did work, and I, I unfortunately, you know, when I relocated, had to retire from that board, so I don't um, know how that ended up. But last I heard, things were getting better in that particular case. But there's not always somebody there to stand up and scream in, in each case. Well, Most of them don't. 
It's not just that either. It's uh, like, okay, we go, let's go back to the early seventies for mm -hmm. sterilization, 25% mm -hmm. of all childbearing age, native American women, sorry, native women. I don't like saying the other word. Thank you. I um, appreciate that. We are not I think you've seen my right comments now. about that. Yes. You do not own me. So I'm Correct. native, I'm indigenous, I'm Muskogee and I'm Seminole. Mm -hmm. Those are what you can say. So I'm yeah. still indigenizing my language. So yeah, 25% of all um, native women of childbearing age were forcibly sterilized without, without their consent. 25%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no and, I, and I would like to point out to all of these, uh, you know, protesters should be polite people, that the only reason we know that is because of AIM taking over and occupying the BIA office and taking and removing those documents that is the only reason we found out. That is the only thing that ended the eugenic, the federally funded eugenics program in this country. So no, you will not make me feel bad about a few smashed windows. Yeah. Ever. Okay. That's in the grand scheme. Sorry, Wendy, that you can't get your Baconator because we broke it. We broke the Wendy's, but uh, we're fighting for our <laughs> lives. So a little more right. important. But, um, you know, we, we go from that to... There was this, um, God, I don't want to get this wrong. I'm doing this from memory. Um, I want to see what was in Arizona. Where is the, the Diné Reservation? Arizona. Arizona. Ha <laughs> ha, I was right. Okay, so Arizona. There was a hospital in Arizona mm -hmm. that had what they called Pueblo Postal Codes. And they had these this list of zip codes. And if you came in as a, as a woman in labor and you were in one of those zip codes, they did not allow you to hold your child for three days because of COVID. Because the, they assumed not only if you were in a zip code, but if you looked brown, if you even looked native, they withheld your child from you for the first three days. And which anybody who understands anything about child development knows that's traumatic and there's a yeah. whole primal wound theory that can go along with that, but it is absolutely devastating to the child as well as the mother. Just natives, because you know, that's where all the sickness was. Well, when you go, when you talk about, you know, of course the DNA had to deal with that. They don't have the running water because they, they were depleted. Their aquifer was depleted by uranium mining that the federal government let happen. You know, it's not their fault. You know, um, with the, the, what was it, up in Seattle? They requested... PPE and they got sent body bags? Body bags, yes. And if I recall, the only reason we knew about the high numbers on the Diné land was because they were, I don't know, actually testing their people. They, we don't even know that the rates were actually higher in the rest of the state than as opposed to the rest of the state because the state wasn't adequately testing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, because we overperform, <laughs> you know? So you're gonna keep our babies from us because we're doing the right thing to mm -hmm. protect the community. It's just we like be punished. You know, when, when we started vaccinating people, when the nation started vaccinating people around here, it, if it were not for the five nations, I believe, mm -hmm. the vaccination rate would be incredibly low in Oklahoma. Like um, I know for a fact that the Muskogee, we bought a, like a, a van. We were like, all right, we got a van throw everything in there, let's go like jab people. And it was like, they were driving around rural places, did not matter if you were native, they just wanted to, to, to get people vaccinated. 
And now, as Tulsa struggle, struggles, that was it, mono, monocolonial, monocolonial, you know what I'm talking about, the, um, the treatment thing that you can take that um, will result in less hospitalization, Tulsa okay. couldn't give it anymore. Skokie's got it at their uh, treatment place, and they're letting anyone walk in and get that. Mm. Something that the state can't even provide for their people, but we don't know how to take care of ourselves. Well, even before the vaccines came out, the testing, I know I drove, what, 45 minutes to a Chickasaw Nation facility to get that tested. Mm -hmm. That's where I got tested the first time. Yeah. yeah. Because I could, there was no, I couldn't get tested anywhere near where, I don't remember where I was living, Northwest side at that time. Yeah. Couldn't get tested anywhere. It was insane. It was insane. And, you know, we stepped up, we always step up. It's our way. It's, it is about, again, going back to the native identity issues, it's about kinship, culture, connection, and we understand that everything is connected and that everything affects everything else. And so we're not just protecting us because what's that going to do? Right. Borders aren't real, you know? COVID, it's not like COVID is going to be like, oh, wait, that's the reservation boundary. You can't go there. You know, it, 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 you have to take care of your community. And, I, and that's why it goes back to this missing bird, indigenous women thing. We are part of the community, whether you like it or not, you know, care about us because we're doing everything we can along with our nations to protect you. Mm -hmm. Protect us. Or at least stop killing us. Yeah. Yeah. I the mean, bar is on the ocean floor at this point. Like, just stop fucking killing yeah, us. Bare minimum. Um, <sighs> just, just stop. <laughs> just, right. Yeah. Let's not tear down, you know, colonial power structures. Just don't murder us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fine. I'm like, tear it all down, but like, can we, yeah, at least start, can we at least start with the bare minimum for a day? <laughs> just, just a day. Just like one day. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And I do hear a lot um, when I go talk about this. And this seems to have come up a lot um, with this whole insanity about um, school curriculums. And, you know, uh, anyways. So the argument continues to come up to me of, well, I don't want my kids to know about this, you know, that this happens. And at what age is my kid able to understand that this is an issue? I don't want to. And I just think, you know what? I was, I think, in first grade, the first time one of my uh relatives was murdered that I can remember. I'm sure it might have happened before that, but that's the first one I remember. So if I can learn that at whatever age that would be six, um, your kids can deal with it. They need to know and they need to learn. And things need to be, I mean, they need to be at that elementary level because, you know, the only way we're going to address it is not to have it ingrained in people in the first right. place. Mm -hmm. And if, if your kid can uh, walk around knowing that there are differences between mm -hmm. people, and know to make fun of them about those differences, then they know enough to um, 
learn how not to be that way. You know, how to target people based on their differences. And I mean, I'm not sitting here like, I'm not going to tell a first grader about, you know, the trail of tears or anything. You know, I'm not going right. to sit there and be like, look at how many missing and murdered indigenous women there are. But I will expect them to be taught a, a healthy respect for natives. You know, how about that? How about let's not slap on turkey, you know, little, you know, feathers and yes. celebrate Thanksgiving. How, how about we not talk about in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. When we know for a fact he was down there genociding in the Bahamas, you know? I mean, it's not that hard to not lie to children, but that's all that's what we're currently doing. Apparently it's the hardest thing. <laughs> The hardest, <laughs> all the hard. <laughs> it's, a, it's the forgotten commandment, you know. <laughs> Don't lie at all, but mostly to kids. <sighs> Man. It's frustrating. And again, we, we laugh because when you take the totality of the things that we must face on a daily basis or the things that we know to be true, that are not known to everybody else because they don't want to listen. It's so much. It's it so much. And and people wonder why why we have these 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 issues that happen. You know, they don't want us to like talk about mascots because that's not important. Well you're dehumanizing us. It all ties in together. Basic human respect. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. And you're not, it's not happening. Yeah. And it's just continued, again, continued genocide. That's all it is. It's racist and it's gross. Well, thank you for doing the emotional labor of coming and talking to us today. And hopefully many, many people will see this and that will mean you have to get stompy less and less, let's hope. Hopefully, although right, because you need a break every now and then. <laughs> every now and then, that's when I go to TikTok and watch videos. There you go, more time for TikTok. I love TikTok. <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. And if you want to make sure you don't miss any of the uploads, be sure to turn on those notifications so you uh, you will know as soon as those go up. And um, also like us on social media at Hapoxia Podcast, or uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, hapoxia.com, that's H-O-P-O-K-S-I-A.com, and the links to all the socials and all the podcast feeds are right there. And we just want to thank you all for sharing your time with us, hanging out with us, and we hope to um, spend more time with you in the future.